Hey guys, um, we wanted to come together and address the issues that are going on in our country um, and create a safe and an honest and a brave space to ask some tough questions and just have these discussions and educate everybody. So we hope that in having these conversations, um, not only do you learn something, but that um, we inspire you to come together with others in your community, or maybe not in your community, and um, have these tough conversations as well. So I'm Gabby. I'm Jay. I'm Tyree. I'm Max. I'm Rashawn, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm Ryan. I'm Rebecca. I'm Perry. I'm Marquise. <laughs> is that everybody that is everybody yeah all right so first off um i think a big subject of confusion i think for me too um was enlightening for me to learn was the was distinguishing between prejudice discrimination and actual racism uh so prejudice is an unfounded opinion um about a certain group or just a prejudgment that is unfounded so has no reason behind it um and then you have discrimination where you are using that prejudice to um, separate a certain group or yourself um, from an other, whatever that other is defined as. Um, when a discrimination, discriminatory act becomes racism is when you have the ability to institutionalize that action or thought or whatever it may be. So that's why you hear people saying there is no such thing as reverse racism in the subject of race because anyone other than a white person does not have the ability to institutionalize their discriminatory act or behavior or whatever it may be. Uh, so that is the first huge topic of discussion or not discussion, but just definition. Yeah, and I think another few definitions you can add to that, there are different types of racism and the three that I really know about, there's active racism, there's passive racism, and then there's anti-racism. So active racism is the thing, like that's the blatant, that's the danger, that's the bigotry, KKK, the big stuff you really think about. But passive racism, that's a box a lot of people fall into because that's like the, including yourself, like laughing at a racist joke or letting things slide by when somebody says something that's kind of suspect, things like that, that's passive racism, that's being okay with some of the things that are going on around you. But anti-racism, that's stepping up and then stopping those acts from happening and being in support with those people that are being, uh, that those racist acts are going against, if that makes sense. Yeah, so Marquise, I actually have kind of a question that goes off of that thought. Um, and I think it's a lot of, uh, a lot of people like me are wondering this, but you know, as a bystander, when you see someone commit like a racist act or you know, say something racist, you know, how do you address that in the moment? What's the best way to do that or how do you suggest? Uh, let me chime in. I think the best way to address something that you see as a racist action or that you have now learned is a racist action is to address it aggressively. Because racism is, it can seem passive, it can seem kind of like not as harmful or hurtful, but to that minority group, it is really hurtful. So you have to be just as aggressive as the action is to make sure that the person A knows that it's not okay. Because no form of racism or any discrimination or anything is okay. So you have to be just as aggressive as the action. And then number two, it just you make yourself more of a present ally than just letting it happen. And say because everyone can say, yeah, I'm not a racist. I don't allow that around me. But then 
and you know, when push comes to shove, are you going to actually be aggressive enough to be like, no, that's not okay. You can't do that. You can't say that. And that's not, that's not what we stand for over here. So that's how I, I personally feel like that. I think it's important for us to remember, like, as bystanders, especially, like, us white people, like, it really doesn't matter who we see do something racist. Like, if we're going to be an ally, we have to be an ally all the time, even, like, with ourselves, with our family, like, with our close friends. It doesn't matter who it is. We have to, like, be aggressive in fighting that. Yeah, because I think really, like, there's no sideline when it comes to racism. It's either you're fighting for it or against it, whether you realize it or not. And that falls in with that um, active and passive racism, where even if you're not necessarily actively doing things, if you're letting them happen, then you're still on that other side. So it's exactly like you guys are saying, you know, you need to aggressively and actively go out and fight those things, fight those systems. I think um, just to add on to that, you can't call something out that you can't even recognize. Um, and I, I know for me, myself, as a minority, there are a lot of microaggressions or slights or actions of white supremacy that I did not notice before reading, like reading up on it. Um, so tokenism, that was the word for it. But I always, you know, you kind of see these things. This is where the idea where uh, white people in particular use like, oh, we've had a black president. You know, we're, we're past racism, which is absolutely false. That is an act of white supremacy. It's called tokenism. Um, and so I, I saw this nice, like, figure that, like, was a triangle and it showed aversive and um, passive racism. But read up on all the forms that this takes place because it's not always a racist joke, which everyone feels but doesn't necessarily um, dissent when it happens. Um, I know for me, there's a bunch of things that I just didn't know were racist, but they just didn't feel right in the moment. And once I learned that they were, I can now call it out and say something. Um, sorry, I have one more thing. Uh, this goes for minority groups too. We have colorism. Um, so it's not just, you know, it's not just up to white people to call out their white friends. We as minorities have to call out why, why are they better, you know, because they're lighter skinned or whatever the case may be. I feel that, especially not everything is going to be a racist joke, but like the um, backhanded compliments, for example, or what I used to hear a lot growing up is like, oh, you handle yourself really well, or you talk so well, and it's like, what, what, what do you mean? I talk so well, like, did is this not what you expected? Yeah, it's like, oh, you talk so well because, oh, you surprised me because, you're like, yeah. Or it's like, I walk into a meeting with a suit on, you're like, oh, you're really handling yourself well, and it's, okay, what, what you said, business professional? How'd you expect me to walk in? You know what I mean? So it's, it's small things like that. That's a real good point. And, and I'd also like to piggyback off Rebecca. I think that when taking a stand as well and calling out those things, um, you're going to lose some friends, obviously. Uh, and that's important to know that because obviously if you're allying with a group and you're allying with a cause, then you wouldn't want to have friends anyways that aren't doing that, right? I mean, you wouldn't want to associate with people that are going to tear down something that you love and support and have uh, connections with best friends and um, really good people for life. So don't be afraid to kind of lose a couple friends and take the high road and take the path less traveled, so to speak. Um, Cause that's just going to go for you way farther in the end by supporting something that you really believe in um, and want other people around you that believe the same thing. In the same breath though, I don't want to just like cut everyone out in my life who doesn't sure. Sure. see things the same way I do. You know, like I want to leverage those relationships. Like I can be the voice that they listen to, you know, as a white person in their life, like, I could be the one voice that they listen to. 
Yeah, I'm more just saying less as well that like already I've said some things about like the kneeling and the protests and kind of had to split ways with some people, at least in those regards. Um, And there's going to be backlash, but that's just something you have to be willing and ready to take because that's not a tenth of what has been suffered by others for uh, years and years. So at least you can get a little bit of backlash. Absolutely. Yeah, you have to definitely be prepared to like, because when you stand up for something that's right, not everyone's going to be with you. Like we were talking about this in general, like you got to be ready for a backlash no matter what you do in life. So especially standing up for what's right, especially nowadays when some people don't think this is the right way to be or that there was no problem before. So you have to be ready to like stand and fight if we're going to take this side after like. So I I actually have a question. Um, And my question is for Jay. Um, In regards to uh, racism versus prejudice, um, that was something that you spoke on to start with. Uh, you spoke about how nobody is really in the position to leverage their prejudice and yep. to be able to take that and push it into uh, a space of racism. Um, but you spoke about a specific group of people with that being white people that do uh, or are in that position of being able to take that prejudice and turn it into racism. Yep. What is it that that group of people has that puts them in a position to be able to do that? Everything. <laughs> Um, So they have economic power, institutional power, meaning um, colleges. When you walk into any room, you are the minority. You are represented. When you turn on your TV, you are represented. Your opinion, your worldview is represented in every institution, every system in this country, across the world, honestly. And so when your behavior, when you do, you know, some racist behavior, whether passive or aversive, um, you can be pretty confident that a lot of everyone else uh, virtually in the room or in the world that looks like you who has a similar worldview can now put that into legislation, can put that into rules, how they run their business. That is how they can make these actions become a system. That's how it's institutionalized. Um, Whereas people of color, Hispanic or black, especially black, obviously is what the topic of the conversation is, but any other minority, they are underrepresented. and if they walk into a room, walk into a business, to an interview, that person statistically is not going to look like them and therefore is not going to share, share the same worldview. Um, so that's what that means. <laughs> I went hard, but yeah. Um, yeah. And so for me as a minority, I didn't understand actually how institutionalized it was until I read up on it. So this goes for everybody. It's not just for white people. Like I didn't notice the, the details of how it was so embedded. Um, so yeah, that's a that's an interesting. Um, there's something interesting that you pointed out because I don't know for the rest of you guys, but I know specifically for myself. Like one of the things that rings very loudly and very clearly is the word consideration. Um, and so I was actually having a conversation the other day with a friend of mine, and I was kind of explaining to her, um, are things a bit lopsided in regards to representation and uh, consideration? Yeah, things are, um, but I feel like we have to understand that a lot of the people that are in better positions or have more at their access, they didn't necessarily ask for those positions. So as we go through this, this time and this, this space of correction, we have to understand like, it's almost like being a product of your environment for us both, for those that might have privilege and for those that might not. And so we have to understand this comes from the idea of, let's say we are to look at 
our lives and what we need to live as a toolbox. The toolbox that people that look like me or that have my shade of color, toolbox that they have might be a toolbox with like 50 different tools in it because you never know what you might have to deal with or what you might have to do, but you have to consider everything. Whereas if you look a different color or a different shade, you may not necessarily have to have all of those same tools in your toolbox, probably not as many. And probably not as many because the position you are afforded allows you to be able to move without having to consider the things around you. It's like spatial consideration. We have to be considerate of a lot of different ethnicities and a lot of different cultures. You know what I'm saying? Because we're also not the majority here. So numbers also plays a part because when you look at some people that are in spots of supremacy, they're in those spots and they can thrive in those spaces because they have the numbers to be able to move without considering anybody. People just get moved out of the way when they move. And it's a very, um, it's a very subconscious and deeply rooted uh, socialization that we're dealing with here. Yeah, 100%. Really good Well-spoken, well-spoken. <clears throat> I something that something that it took me a minute to realize because I think when all this stuff is going on it's really easy especially for me to try to place blame on someone like oh it's this person or this group of people's fault like the police or the president or our politics or yeah. whatever but it I think the big thing to remember is like kind of like what Perry just said, like, this is, this is a humanity problem. Like, this is not one, one being or one entity's fault. This is like a deeply rooted, like you said, like deeply rooted, just humanity problem. And I think that's, that's tough for a lot of people to realize because they see everything that's going on and they want to place blame. Yeah. And I'm totally guilty of that too. So I think that's something to consider too. And I really like what you said, Perry. When you talk about blame, honestly, I kind of want to ask about, like, you hear the term, like, white guilt and things like that. Um, so, like, have any of y'all gone through that experience? Or did you more look at it like, instead of being guilty, I need to get up and actually do something about it, you know? Yeah, I, I guess I can speak a little bit about that. I think especially with just this past week, um, I've talked to a lot of friends and just with what's been going around so on social media media. Um, I've been trying to figure out what my place is in this movement. And so, like you said, I don't think, I think I've moved past like the white guilt. And I think it's important that, I've, that I'm moving towards this area of like what I can do to actually help. But um, on that topic of like putting yourself in someone else's shoes, um, this kind of goes back to what Perry was bringing up earlier about like you know, you know, your toolbox being much smaller if you're a white person because you don't need to worry about different situations. But I was actually like on a, um, on like a run the other day and it was like late at night. And I was just like thinking about the fact that, you know, I'm, I'm privileged to be able to go on this run um, and, you know, not have to look over my shoulder or um, pay attention to how much distance I'm keeping from other people. And, um, and it's because just of the systemic issues that our country is facing at this time. And just by putting that, uh, putting myself in those shoes, I was able to, you know, understand this issue more deeply. And it's made me more passionate about finding my way to like be the change and to figure out ways to, you know, be a part of the solution, like I was saying. Uh, 
I think Max's point kind of brings us home here. And again, we're trying to keep this within a good time limit for you guys to be able to stay engaged and really gain from as much as you can. Um, and this leads into the topic of conversation for next week. You're probably here after watching the Zoom podcast, whatever. Appreciate you tuning in. What can you do? Yeah, you've just watched a Zoom. Yeah, you've done anything, but it still takes a step out that door, right? It still takes a second action. So what I would encourage, and I think everybody else in this chat would encourage is, first starts with that conversation, that tough conversation, being able to say the terms white and black, being able to ask your friends, not being scared about the repercussions or being scared about not speaking it perfectly. Different people are eloquent, different people can say things differently, but I'll promise you your friends and other people will realize your heart and what the true intentions of it are coming from. And that's really where this whole change and love begins. So uh, I want to personally thank everybody in this call. I want to thank everybody for taking time out of their busy schedules, out of their days, out of their hectic and stressful worlds during COVID. Um, everybody stay safe out there. Uh, peace, blessings, and love. And uh, we're Clarity and United Together.